Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. as Roller Martin Unfiltered. By going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com, you can make this possible. All right, folks, let's not talk reparations. That was a uh, congressional hearing today on this very issue. It was led by, of course, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. She is a sponsor of H.R. 40. For a long time, Congressman John Conyers sponsored H.R. 40. Uh, and so this was the first hearing on this issue in more than a decade, according to Ron Daniels. I talked to him this morning on the Tom Jonah Morning Show. There were a number of people who were speakers, including Tom Nahisi Coates, Denny Glover, but also uh, Julian, Dr. Julian Malvo, who's an often on our show. Here is Denny Glover speaking today before Congress. A national reparations policy is a moral, democratic, and economic imperative. I sit here as the great-grandson of a former slave, Mary Brown, who was freed by the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st, 1863. I had the fortune of meeting her as a small child. Despite, despite much progress over the centuries, 
This hearing is yet another important step in the long and heroic struggle of African Americans to secure reparations for the damages inflicted by enslavement and post-emancipation and racial exclusionary policies. Many of the organizations who are present today at this hearing are amongst the historical contributors to the present national discourse, congressional deliberations, and Democratic Party presidential campaign policy discussions about reparations. We are also indebted to the work of Congressman John Conyers for shepherding this legislation, the adoption of H.R. 40 can be a signature legislative achievement, especially within the context of the United Nations International Decade of People of African Descent. Ta-Nehisi Coates, of course, who wrote about reparations in the Atlantic, was also one of those who spoke on today's panel. Yesterday, when asked about reparations, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell offered a familiar reply. America should not be held liable for something that happened 150 years ago, since none of us currently alive are responsible. This rebuttal proffers a strange theory of governance, that American accounts are somehow bound by the lifetime of its generations. But well into this century, the United States was still paying out pensions to the heirs of Civil War soldiers. We honor treaties that date back some 200 years, despite no one being alive who signed those treaties. Many of us would love to be taxed for the things we are solely and individually responsible for. But we are American citizens, and thus bound to a collective enterprise that extends beyond our individual and personal reach. It would seem ridiculous to dispute invocations of the founders or the greatest generation on the basis of a lack of membership in either group. We recognize our lineage as a generational trust, as inheritance. And the real dilemma posed by reparations is just that, a dilemma of inheritance. It is impossible to imagine America without the inheritance of slavery. As historian Ed Baptist has written, enslavement, quote, shaped every crucial aspect of the economy and politics of America, so that by 1836, more than 600 million Almost half of the economic activity in the United States derived directly or indirectly from the cotton produced by the millionaire slaves. By the time the enslaved were emancipated, they comprised the largest single asset in America, $3 billion and $1860, more than all the other assets in the country combined. Now, Ta-Nehisi, obviously an author, Danny Glover is an activist, but where were the economic voices and that did not sit really well with Dr. Julianne Malveaux, who is an economist, and she sort of shook the panel up. This is what she had to say. I am delighted to be here because this hearing is not on time. It's like overtime. It's more than time for us to deal with the injustices that African-American people not only have experienced in history, but continue to experience. I'm an economist, so economics is a study of who gets what, when, where, and why. It's a study of the way the factors of production are paid. The elements are land, labor, capital, and the secret sauce. Some people call it entrepreneurial ability. Some call it creativity. Land gets rent, labor gets wages, capital gets interest, and the secret sauce gets profits. 
But the work of predatory capitalists is to figure out how to extract more from the factors of production toward capital and away from people. And we've seen that in the past three decades with our own economy, but more importantly, enslavement was about the devil's work of predatory capitalism. Indeed, enslaved people got no wages, and we represented capital for other people. And so after enslavement, first of all, enslavement was the foundation on which our country was built. So anybody who says, well, I didn't have any slaves, no, you didn't have to have any. What you had to do was experience them, enjoy the fact that they were here, enjoy the fact that their labor made it possible for there to be a Wall Street, a bond market, and all of that. But beyond that, the post-enslavement case for reparations can be made by examining racial, host racially hostile public policy and government complicity to white supremacy. All right, folks. Uh, now, what was real interesting about uh, the panel is that I mean, you had folks like her and Ta-Nehisi and others uh, who were there invited by uh, Democrats to speak. Then the Republicans, press play. This is not exactly true. Uh, Mr. Mr. Glover mentioned all of the studies and books that have been written on the subject. I would argue, in fact, that in the 10,000-year history of, of slavery on every continent, there is not a single example of slavery that has been more studied than slavery in America from the 17th century to the 19th century. So uh, it is actually not true that we, we have not told the truth, that we don't know our history. Moreover, in the past 50 years, if we're talking about what, uh, what scholars in America, in, in the American social sciences, have directed their attention towards, it is hard to find a subject on which more books have been written that has been more studied than racial inequality. Thank you. Thank you for uh, that. Mr. Owens. Well, there's a difference between what somebody said was being studied and then what really was done. Okay, so then, of course, you had this, this dude, Burgess Owens. Okay, y'all, here are his credentials. Former NFL player, Fox News commentator. That's the best Republicans could come up with? Press play. The greatest legacy uh, from our dad, who... Um, Served in war, World War II, came home, could not uh, do his postgraduate down in Texas because of Jim Crow laws. So uh, put out a lot of letters, ran across a box when he passed away of hundreds of rejection letters. He used that as motivation because he eventually got to Ohio State where he got his Ph.D. And went on being a very successful entrepreneur, college professor, researcher, and someone was very proud of our race. He reached back to his very last days to the young people, giving them hope that this country, they can succeed and if they really wanted to. And if they pulled, their, pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, worked harder than the next guy, that's not a racist deal, by guys. That's the American way. We work harder than the next guy. Greatest legacy from him was my belief that I would do everything I could to make sure he was proud that I held his name. The greatest thing for my mom, my dad, that never, ever even thought about disrespecting mom. We okay, I don't know what in the hell any of that got to do 
with what in the hell they were talking about. I just don't, whatever. All right, let's introduce my panel, folks. A. Scott Bolden, former chair, National Bar Association, Political Action Committee, Monique Presley, legal analyst, crisis manager. Mark Thompson, host to Make It Plain. Mark, of course, was also there uh, in the hearing today. Uh, Mark, what, what was interesting, again, what, I, I don't know who, I don't even know who the hell these two are. Okay, and so here you got this dude, Burgess Owens, his whole pull yourself up by your bootstraps, as if 400 years did not exist, mm -hmm. as if you do not have undeniable data that shows redlining. See, see they keep talking about, obviously, uh, 150 years since slavery ended. Well, what took place in 150 years? What took place after Reconstruction? What still takes place when you talk about um, the, the uh, home foreclosure crisis and the subprime loans as well? 53% of black wealth wiped out because of homes. And so what planet were they really on? Well, there's a re thank you, Heavy, by the way, Roland. Good to see everyone. Uh, there's a reason why you haven't heard of them, uh, because they were handpicked by the uh, minority members of the committee. And in some of the other interactions, you saw them refer to these individuals by first name. Now, obviously, they have obviously, they have relationships. If the four of us decided to be black conservatives and, and Uncle Tom's like they are, we'd be big fish in a small mm -hmm. pond. And, and that's how you make a name for yourself. I even engaged the young man, uh, Coleman Hughes, because we want a panel together on another network. And because he keeps saying that um, there's, we shouldn't get individual checks. And nobody was really making that argument at the hearing. In fact, mm -hmm. when in COBRA, the National African American Reparations Commission, they've been talking about some of the economic things that you alluded to, and maybe we'll get into that a bit later. And I said, Coleman, why don't you stop saying this thing about this individual check? But it's, it's a red herring mm -hmm. yeah. uh, to inflame uh, the right wing and fearmonger whites that we're coming for their individual money. And that's the only role they play. Their well, argument it looks was and feels like election. a welfare check. That's right. That's the code right. language. Right. 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 And that's right. And that also, <laughs> also in our panel is Michael Singleton, uh, who is a contributing host uh, to Consider It uh, on the Box Media on um, Facebook. Good Morehouse so, man. So that, that, that's, but that, but this is why I tell people all the time you have to understand what the game is, Scott. Right. It, they want to reduce the conversation to, you get a check, you get a check, who gets a check? Mm -hmm. When it's, when one of the points Julian Malvo made, I'm going to play it in a second, is that, no, you must look at this thing in, uh, from, from a system standpoint. And even when this guy Coleman says, nothing has been studied more, <laughs> no, no, no. There are, there are people who are utterly clueless about the real story. Mm -hmm. It's how it is being framed. That, to me, is, a, is the fundamental issue. Well, but that's the whole debate, though. That, that's what it all comes down to, because the red herrings get you off the main view, the, the, the main issue. You know, I call it the tree of slavery. You start at the base 400 years ago, you had slaves for 200 years or, or however long, right? But the manifestations of it, the branches of slavery that lead us to 2019, the manifestations are still there. And so if you say that my ancestors are no longer here, you say that white ancestors of others are no longer here, so why should they pay? Well, why not? It still occurred, and the manifestations are still negatively affecting us. The Germans uh, 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 apologized to the Jews and paid reparations. America apologized to the Japanese who were put in internment camps and apologized. 
and yet for 200 years, we, or 400 years, we were in slavery, and nobody wants to apologize to us. It seems like we're the largest minority, and so we got the greatest chance to overcome it, but we still struggle with the, our history of slavery. The thing for me, Monique, again, when, when, when you hear this dude talk about, okay, history, whatever, is not actually understanding uh, the link. When the, we, we did the story two weeks ago, three, three African-Americans lost $3.2 billion mm -hmm. in Chicago alone because of um, discrimination, housing discrimination. Anyone who saw uh, Skip Gates' documentary on Reconstruction, black folks lost a billion and a half dollars that was put into the Freedmen's Bank, stolen and squandered by white folks. There was never a bailout. Right. A billion five. Right. The equivalent of a billion five lost. And so those are things that folks in this country walking around on Capitol Hill have no idea about because that's the as history not his story right but that wouldn't even matter Roland because and I'm gonna get through this on June 19th without crying mm. okay but I'm from Galveston Texas and so it mm. means something to me right mm. because I've been the places where it was announced and my great-grandfather was a slave when Gordon Granger showed up and said today mm. you're free two years after right the freedom actually mm. happened so today means something to me oh my lord but but what it really means is there was a transfer of property that should have happened and there was a transfer of economy that should have happened right then because if so then we could have afforded to lose a billion dollars a hundred two hundred years later and it wouldn't have mattered because wealth transfer starts originating in property that's that's what this country about is about. I'm talking about wealth. I'm not talking about being rich. <laughs> exactly. I'm not talking about exactly. money bags, money bags. That's right. I'm talking about wealth transfer where when you die, there's something that goes to your children, whether you had a dime in the bank mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. They automatically have a leg up. And the history that that brother was talking about, yeah, we studied it. And we know it, but we don't apply it. Mm. Because right now in Galveston, Texas, I'm rich and I'm wealthy. Why? Mm -hmm. Because my grandfather, who graduated from Meharry, chose to be a postman instead of being a pharmacist so that he could own property. My grandmother worked in the home, but she was a nurse's assistant. My mother, who's still alive, was a teacher. My daddy worked at a manufacturing company instead of going to play basketball because they understood what it was about. Mm. So today... I'm sitting here and I have real wealth. I can't find no money. God knows I can't for these two. But see, but I don't need nothing, right? And there's a difference. There's a difference. So I agree with that gentleman. I don't know his name, the one they found. Nobody else knows. Whatever. So, but he was right. It's been studied, Roland. He's well, right. It's, 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 it's been, been more studied than anything else, but he's wrong in that. I think what he was saying is because it's studied, we applied the lesson. Well, I dare say, and that's, that's fully, the problem. I dare say, it has been fully studied. Before I go to Sir Michael, this this was after a series of questions from one of the Democrat members of Congress, uh, and it was a brother who was a, a preacher. Uh, he he basically pulled Dr. Julian Malvo into the conversation. So I want y'all to hear this exchange. But, but you'd have to go really quickly. I had one question for Mr. Coach. So if you wanted to add something real quick. 
I'm running out of time. No, I'm the economist on the panel, so it's a little bit... No, I know that. It's a little frustrating that economic questions are being directed to non-economists. Um, well, I think I have some things that I'd like to be able to say about some of this. Um, but thank you, my brother, for giving me, for, for passing the mic. I really do appreciate it. Um, the questions about predatory lending really need to, that the, your sister congresswoman raised, really need to be dealt with because it's not just that it's something that's happening well, if, if in If you're going to talk about, about predatory lending, could you also add, because what I was going to ask him, you could probably answer also, this whole history of the exclusion of blacks from some of the early programs like Social Security and the oh, yes, GI Bill and wage. others, because it all is about economic security. So if you could blend your, your answer, that would be great, because then I Okay, I would sure. Use it my time and get my, both questions in. Sure. I mean, we can go back and look at the minimum wage, which exclude farm workers in the South, which were predominantly workers. black people, excluded domestic workers right. who were black women. And so these folks were excluded not only from the minimum wage, but also from the Social Security system. And to very, so your comment about black women in nursing homes is very pointed, given all of that. I mean, we have to look at this. I, the hearts and minds questions, uh, I'm an economist, so I leave that to the reverend. But what I want, to, but, but my thing is, let's look at the economic underpinnings of the inequality that exists in this country, the wealth gap that exists in this country, and the differences that it makes. Sister Congresswoman, when you talked about predatory lending, a third of the people who had predatory loans qualified for regular loans, mm -hmm. a third of them. However, they did not get them because of the way that slavery, racism, basically segregated people. So uh, while it's, it's lovely to sing Kumbaya, which I don't do very often, I think it's even better to talk about what's going on economically and the differences that exist because of the wealth gap. When a black woman, man, is arrested, absent wealth, they lay up in the jail for I don't know how many days because they don't have the home to mortgage to get the bail. Um, and cash bail is discriminatory. And so we, we can just go down the list and talk about the, way, the very many ways that racism affects the quality of folks' lives. And with all due respect to these Kumbaya brothers over here who, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm proud of my family too. I mean, we good black people, too. I have a PhD, I have two MBAs in my family, but I'm not going to give you my family history. But, but you know, it is irrelevant. It is irrelevant when you're dealing with structure. I want y'all, Congress people, to deal with issues of economic structure, how the economic structure has generated an inequality that makes it difficult for people to live their lives. When zip code determines what kind of school that you go to, when zip code determines what kind of food you can eat, these are the vestiges of enslavement that a lot of people don't want to deal with. Forgive my, um, you know, I'm kind of over the top, but I usually am. Those in the audience who know me know, you know, tick, tick, boom. But, um, but the fact is that I'm gratified, Sheila, Congresswoman Jackson Lee, for these hearings, but I'm also frustrated for the tone that some of this has taken because it takes us away from the economic underpinnings of what needs to go on here. Thank you. Sir Michael. Um, the issue that, one, it's, 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 the discussion is critically important. And as far as I'm concerned, who the Republicans put up was a waste of time. There are conservative black economists. Mm -hmm. There are black conservatives who could talk about this issue, sure. even if they oppose it. That, you put up a dude who's on Fox News, a contributor who played football. <laughs> I, I can't listen to him. I mean, look, who, who, who brings and literally his entire presentation was, you know, work hard, 
Like my grandfather told me, my daddy told me, that's how you get ahead. I was like, that's it? Well, what's interesting about this, so for our Vox Media show, we actually have an episode next week coming out on reparations. And we centered it on Georgetown University, which is the first uh, U.S. institution that has attempted to sort of address repaying the descendants of slaves. Oh, it's academic. It's still the very first, correct, uh, in, in April. And that was a student decided the university hasn't made a decision yet. But in the research of doing this, we spoke with a Duke University economist. And what the economist was saying was, based upon uh, his calculations, there's about 30 million individuals that he estimated would be able to receive some form of a reparation, whatever that would look like. But going through the history, we discovered President Obama didn't support reparations. And, I, and I'm, I'm going somewhere here. Joe Biden just announced he doesn't support reparation. And so as we continue to look through this, what we found was not only are there white Republicans who don't necessarily support this, there's also a lot of white Democrats in Congress who don't support this. So looking at it legislatively speaking, we sort of came to the conclusion that even trying to set up a committee to explore this would almost nearly be impossible. But well, here's, here's on, on that point. And so, look, somebody, somebody asked me longer, only support reparations. I'm like, no. Here's why I said it. Because I'm looking at the reality of legislatively. And my whole deal is this is where they are. Unless you change who's there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the key. At the end of the day, I can make the economic and moral <clears throat> argument. Okay? Yeah. Why it makes sense. I can go through the history. I can lay out all the facts. It still gets to the question of will it pass? We're not even at the point as far as I'm sure. concerned of having a count to vote discussion. The problem here, Mark, is that we have folks who actually, with all the books and all the studies being done, don't want to contend with dealing with this very system and how it was actually created. Capitalism was created by slaves. Mm -hmm. Okay? America had no economy. Mm -hmm. Read Gerald Horn's book right. uh, on the American Revolution. Uh, read all these books to understand uh, cotton, understand these things. The reality is you have this system. And it wasn't just for 243 years of slavery. It was a 92 years of Jim Crow, slavery by another name. And so when you start breaking all these things down, we have people in this country who don't want to even own up to the reality that white soldiers walked out of World War II with the GI Bill, right. the school they right. wanted to, right. bought homes in the suburbs, all kind of right. stuff like that, where black soldiers literally could not. That ain't slavery. That's 40s. 50s, right, 60s. Right. Fair Housing Act wasn't passed till 68. Right. So if the Fair Housing Act was passed, Fair Housing Act was passed in 68, April 68, and you know it takes really five to ten years for law to jail, if you will. We now in the 80s. Yeah. Well, well, that's why this is a new and updated HR 40s, HR 42.0, really because the original Conyers bill was going to do a study of slavery. Mm -hmm. This is a study of, uh, we, everyone stipulates slavery ex existed, but this is a study of what form reparations would take, not only for yeah. slavery, mm -hmm. but for slavery's vestiges, mm -hmm. which includes lynchings, Jim Crow, segregation, um, a lack of access to capital, being left out of Social Security, Homestead Act, GI Bill, F Fair Housing Act, Voting Rights Act, and the current criminal justice system, which includes modern-day lynchings of police violence and mass incarceration. All of that is included in this. And what the, um, the two Republican Uncle Toms were not willing to say out there. 
don't need to call him Uncle Tom's. I don't need to believe in name calling. Just say we well, disagree that's, that's with it. Well, that's just my thing. I, that's, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, do I don't believe in Uncle Tom's, sellouts, coons, N-word. I can say, I can say, they black conservatives who are wrong. But I, 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 but I didn't say, call him coon. I, I, I know that. I know that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hold on, Monique. Now finish your point. Finish your point, the Monique. Okay. So, so the point is, what they refuse to acknowledge is that there are vestiges of slavery that still exists. Every form of racism and oppression that we continue to deal with is a vestige of slavery. He mentioned the tree. Mm -hmm. The term we've always used is vestige. That's the same thing. And so that's what this bill would address and what form reparations would take for all of this inclusive money. Right. And everything that he named is accurate. But everything that he named was related to a physical manifestation of slavery. And when Dr. Anita Phillips was on here, what she talked about is the way that slavery has embedded itself into our DNA code mm -hmm. as people of color and how we have suffered psychologically, how as we have suffered people. mentally, mm -hmm. how we have suffered socially as black people because of things that happen during slaving that, that now are a part of our psyche. It makes it less possible for us to succeed. Even if we had certain things that were a grant and a given to people who were not black. So for me, if somebody asks me if I support reparations, I don't know how I say I don't. Um, we have found our way to the moon, right? In this country, have well, we? What do you mean by that? What do you yeah. mean by that? Uh, We've gone to the moon. Travel we're smart. Moon. Oh, yes. I'm right. sorry. So, Go right ahead. So we can't figure out mm -hmm. how much you... You get, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not you get a car, you get a car, well, you get a you, car. I get it. Right. My point is, no, but here's the thing. It's one thing to say we don't have legislature to get it done. It's another thing to say we don't have a right president. We didn't have a black one. What, do we need a horse? It's one <laughs> thing to say. Come on now. That it's a hard thing. We in this country do hard things. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't matter if we got it wrong, Shermichael. It wouldn't, because if we got it wrong and he received something and you did and I did, now I don't know about your ancestors, I'm, I'm just saying, and you got something, <laughs> now listen, listen, okay. What, and just because I'm, I'm light-skinned and I get I'm less? Saying a little sketchy. <laughs> yeah. You and I both, we are, we're not, we're not. That's 100%. racist. That's okay. racist. But, 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 but my point is, hell, give me a thousand dollars and let's move forward right. and figure it out again. No, no, no. Because the argument, Roland, that people are trying to make is that we shouldn't get anything. Oh, no, no. I understand and that. That is garbage. And, and Scott, right. what, 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 Scott, That's Michael, not true. what, what, what bothers me again is when, and again, I look, game recognize game. If you want to have this conversation and it stops at 1863, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I can't, I can't ignore what took place with the great compromise of 1876 right. and it became the great compromise, actually the election of 1876 and the great compromise of 1877. I can't ignore where literally black folks and Julian talked about it. I didn't play it. Mm -hmm. The black folks she talked to who were run out of town. Black people who literally right. left land they owned. That's right. Black people who were so oppressed by racism and bigotry, yeah. packed their stuff up and left Mississippi and Alabama and Texas and Arkansas. Left land. I can't forget and went the black folks. I can't forget the black folks who also had the land stolen by racists. 
the history. See, where the study comes up, where, where, where I think Homeboy's wrong, is that if you actually study black folks since, 18, since actually 1619, what you will see is bootstraps pull down. Yeah. Pull bootstraps <laughs> up. Right. Pull back down. I can show you right. a line right. from 1619 to present day where black folks pull bootstraps up. Right. Pull back down, and the last big pull down was in 2007, 2008, with the home foreclosure crisis, mm -hmm. when 53% of black wealth was wiped out right. because of that. That was black folks bootstrapping up. Mm -hmm. That's actually been our history. When we have done that, got pulled back down. That's a good point. Calculate all the bootstraps coming down, up, and down. Monetize it, right? That's a number, or a series of numbers, if you will. The other thing I want you listening to all this to understand is I heard Mitch McConnell and others talk about I don't know whether we could do this constitutionally or not. Are you kidding me? This is an allocation. Well, hell, it's just a gave, budget. Just gave twenty-eight billion. Wait a minute. Just exactly. gave twenty-eight billion to, no. to farmers right. who got screwed by the tariffs. Right. And hell, that wasn't even right. a vote. So, a so don't item. be don't it's don't go for the okay. It's a budget yes. item. It yes, is a budget item. Sure, Michael. So, again, th 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 that for me is is why what, what, why why I disagree with Homer when he said we've studied it mm -hmm. because. No, no, no. We haven't really owned up to it. I'm going I'm to I'm tell you this story before I, I want you to speak. Okay. I, I spoke at a, um, a black uh, construction um, conference. It was at National Harbor a few years ago. So I meet this sister, and her job is to ensure that you don't have front construction groups in North Carolina. So she tells me she meets this so the largest construction company in North Carolina. She says, how did y'all get started? And the guy says, well, our daddy was in the Army. And when World War II ended, our daddy said that, you know what, I want to start my own construction company. So he went to the, uh, went to the uh, bosses who were white. Hey, we got this surplus paving equipment and stuff. Can I just have some of it? Yep. Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Homeboy leaves the Army with a government handout. Yep. Starts a construction company. Builds it up, and to this day, his sons and their sons and daughters now the beneficiaries right. of a government handout. You can't show me a black soldier who left with a shovel. Yeah. But his business was started with army surplus equipment and do, making millions of dollars. So not only did he have free equipment, he could apply for the contracts. So even if a black soldier was given free equipment, they couldn't even apply for the contracts. So when I hear McConnell and others talk about, oh, it was so long ago, no, I can show you black people who are living today. The vestiges. Who could not even bid for a contract if they had equipment, could apply for the jobs, couldn't buy a home in a certain place. So as a result, black person over here bought a house in the neighborhood. House may have been $12,000. The white person's house was $35,000. They couldn't even sell the house for $12,000 when they tried to sell it. They sold it for like $12,100. So they made $100 on the house. Yet the person over here resold the house for forty grand. They got five grand from it. Guess what? That ain't slavery. That's still the American story. That, to me, is why you have to have a real conversation that brings it up to present day of how black folks have been economically denied in this nation. Well, 
what's interesting about this is not only was the nation's wealth built off of free slave labor, you talk about many American businesses. Wells Fargo, for example, Brooks Brothers, for example, you talk about many, all the insurance companies you talk about the Ivy League universities, the Georgetowns, the Harvards, the, the Yales, all essentially off of the selling of slaves in Look order to stay open. Correct. Oh so I think this is a very nuanced situation that I don't think a lot of politicians, just to be honest and frank, aren't really interested in learning more about, which is why I do agree that we Ultimate need to have some type of. <laughs> of a committee to explore this further because I think there's this sort of mis, I guess, understanding that, oh, it's just going to be free checks, free checks. We don't want to do that. Well, this is a far more complex uh, issue that we need to address. And I don't know any black person who's saying, I want anything free. I think what people are saying is, we want to make sure that we have the same playing field as everyone else. And that currently does not exist because of systemic racism that can be traced back to slavery. Which is, the, which is the same, which no, is what? But we don't need another study. It's a waste of time. The McConnells of the world, and I, and, I, and I respect Schmeichel's position on this, but sure, they'll say they don't get it. They'll say they don't get it, and we'll be three more administrations past getting it with a study about how we can figure out just how much we are really owed. No. So how do you, Start out of how do you put a metric you, on it then? Tell me your metric thing. on but everything that Roland just said. Why, and this is why. Maybe you can't. You go back to what we all agree on. Slavery bad, right? Yeah. Is anybody disagreeing? Okay, no. Well, some folks. So, well, hello. <laughs> some no, no, say no. we were, we're glad not, to be there. <laughs> you know what? And even still, mm -hmm. because, Scott, you and I, as lawyers, we know that if you keep people against their will and you force them to do labor for however much time, there is a very easy system, a calculus, for what they are owed for that. Mm -hmm. And then we, from there, figure out, oh, okay, you kept them from that, and then when they were free, they didn't get property. Oh, okay, and they didn't get property, and when they got so money, say, okay, they couldn't this. get so a bank loan. No, no, no. Would you, we have we, to well, start. Scott, hey, Michael, Scott. Go, go. We have to start. Go, go, go. Right. Well, would you take 40 acres and a mule, Listen, which is another broken promise okay. America made to people of color, here or black is, people rather? Here is what I am would saying. Would you take it today? Hell yes. Give me my 40 acres right now. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm finished mm -hmm. because I still, we have a constitution, right? Mm -hmm. So I can still sue. I can still ask for more. I can still re-legislate. I can still Everybody elect go ahead. people like go ahead. you. Mm -hmm. Give me my 40 acres and then let's talk. Mm -hmm. Give me my one mule for my, for my land and then let's have a conversation because well, what I, I just, can do with 40 I acres agree. right now, right. Go ahead. 40 acres where? I, I, New York? I, I, I just 40 wonder. acres in New York. City. You're Thank going you. off today. Look, I, I, I just love not to, not to be stuck in politics or, or the legislative process, but that's what I love. And I, I'm just trying to figure out, even if we are able to assign some type of a numerical value to this, how do you get it through Congress? Even if we ignore the McConnells, let's say we don't set up a committee, let's say it's a trillion dollars, we all agree to Congress. it. How do you get it? You have through here, the here's, here, here, here's, and, and, and to that point, and that's why when somebody asked me this about 10 years ago, I was like, Look, if you want to spend, somebody say, Roland, why aren't you spending more time in reparations? I was like, I said, I'm looking at votes. I said, I'm, I'm practically, I count votes. Right. I said, that's where I stand. I said, the people who support it, I said, who are fighting for it, I said, you know what, I'll put them on the air. I, was, I said, and, and have them tell the story. I said, but I look at finite time. The reality is this. Why, why, why the study, why the breakdown, everything that you said, why does it all matter? Because like anything else that has passed in this country, 
you have to create mm -hmm. resonance. You have to create momentum to where you where you frame that. Look, how many people literally said, ain't no way in hell we're going to be able to get the right to vote. Right. After Kennedy gets killed, look, everybody forgets the original civil rights bill that Dr. King and others supported had all of it in one. LBJ was like, I can't get all of it in one. The, the original civil, the first of all, that was a 1960 Civil Rights Act. After Kennedy dies, LBJ goes, okay, I can't get all that in one. Mm -hmm. It was broken up into three pieces. 64, Civil Rights Act, which was public accommodations. 65 was voting. 68 was housing. He said, I'm going to get it, but I can't get all of it at once. You have to create that, which is where voting comes in. So when I hear people say, unless this happens, I ain't voting. If you don't vote, it's not going to happen. No. You, no you, because yeah. here's the deal. You have to, you have to sure. elect a Congress yeah. that is going to be amenable to your argument. Okay. To your argument, but, your argument. But health care is a much more timely and relevant example to me. So we need... And that took 50 years. Oh, no, 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 but okay. I don't actually, care, actually, I'm sorry. But we're no, right actually, here. Actually, 150 but years. We're here, but we're here. No, but I'm so saying, what I'm saying how is long it took for everybody who asks. And, I'm, and mm -hmm. I, I, I support no candidate, but what I will say is right now, every front runner but Biden says yes to reparations. So we need a reparations Democratic candidate because Trump is a non-starter. So we need a Democratic candidate, and then we need a Democratic House because that's how we got health care, right? So, and we need whatever version of a bill we can get where something is well, actually, passed. Actually, to the Senate, actually, which yeah, would not no, no, no. Actually, hold on one second. I said what okay. we need. Actually, actually, you had Democratic President, Health House, and Senate. And, that's how God and, like. and, and, and 2020 is viable for no, no, that no, it, it certainly is, if we're about not, our business. I, I'm, I'm not certain, though. I don't comment on this. Even if realistically we were able to get a magic wand and grant what you're asking for. No magic wand, just votes. Or, or votes. I'm just not even convinced that if Democrats controlled the House or the Senate that you would have enough votes because you have to look at some of the districts that some of those members even represent. But, I'm not but, convinced but, some of those white members but here's the deal, vote. But, but hold on. First of all, I just agree, being honest, no, no, no. First of all, I agree with your point. But here's the piece. You don't need 435 or 100, Mark. Thank God. What you need yeah. is you need 218 in the House. Well, that's true. We'll never need a simple, simple majority, simple majority yeah. or 60 yeah. in the Senate. Yeah. And then what you actually, and I dare say, you actually need more, more than that because assume it's going to be a veto, even if it's a Democratic president. Right. So, so the bottom line, but, but again, to the people who are watching, Mark, I want you to speak to this. This is the final comment. Okay. If you got 60 people who sign on now. Right. And the next session, you got 90, you picked up 30. That's right. Mm -hmm. The problem I have is with folks who don't understand that, look, it's, it's not, it is not going to happen in a year. But if you decide to not vote, you have absolutely guaranteed That's right. it will it's never happen. Well, you know, there were yeah. some people there today that have been propagandized that way. But I was watching people today. And, and afterwards, I talked to some of those people, and they couldn't come up with an argument against anything that was said. Yeah. So just like all of our struggles, they, they've taken time. We didn't know we'd be here today right. on this Juneteenth, 2019. And I'm very moved by the story you told, by the way, about your great-grandfather. We didn't know right now that we'd be having a hearing mm -hmm. 
on reparations right now. We didn't know all this enthusiasm would come forward. We can't time it. But our generation has to continue to struggle. And sometime, if not in our lifetime, the next generation will see this to fruition. But you're absolutely right. Um, I think this can get done. It won't be tomorrow. And it is wrong to say to people if it's not uh, resolved by 2020, they're not going to vote. It is an ongoing yeah. struggle. struggle. And on yeah. this Juneteenth, I'll simply close by saying in the words of Frederick Douglass, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. Come on, so you. we can't stop. And for the folks who understand voting, you could talk about 15th Amendment all day. Mm -hmm. But then you had the 65, civil, uh, the 65 uh, Voting Rights Act. Okay? And you're that's still right. dealing with that. That's so right. that's our history. All right, folks. Back to our whole Mark Unfiltered video in just one moment. All right, folks. They're back. MarijuanaStock.org is another great investment opportunity. Now, if you were lucky enough to invest in their last crowdfunding campaign, you know they raised a bunch of money in just a few months investing in legal marijuana farms. Those initial investors now own shares of a publicly traded company. Folks, now again, a lot of y'all missed it, but now you have a second chance. They have a new investment opportunity that is as good, if not even better, than the last. I'm talking about industrial hemp CBD. Now, for those who don't know, the hemp plant is the cousin to marijuana with a much higher concentration of CBD, which means hemp CBD gives you all the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Now, until recently, hemp farming was practically illegal in the U.S. and heavily regulated by the DEA. However, the 2018 Farm Bill changed all of that, making it legal to grow hemp CBD in the U.S. and creating one of the largest commodities worldwide. They need land to grow all the plants, which makes for an incredible investment opportunity. And that's where our good friends at 420 Real Estate come in. Their business model is real simple. They buy the land that supports the hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed high-paying tenants. That's right. They are hemp CBD landlords. And you can get in on the action. You can invest in this crowdfunding campaign for as little as 200 bucks, up to $10,000. Folks, if you want to invest... Go to MarijuanaStock.org, that's MarijuanaStock.org, to get in the game. Now back to your Roland Martin Unfiltered video. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side -side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.